This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers. Seriously, could not do without you. Do you want to become a Patreon subscriber? Do you love this podcast? Do you listen every week? Do you want to support us in everything we do? Well then, go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today. Donate a dollar, donate five dollars, donate ten, who knows? And donate to support the podcast. Really appreciate it. Have some fun stuff coming hopefully next week or the week after. We'll see. Uh, a lot to reveal. Anyway, today, Greg and I talk a lot about Pavel Bushnevich, my Russian son. And then we have our favorite guest on, or one of our favorite guests, Drew Way, to talk about prospects in the upcoming draft. And he'll be back on after the uh, draft also to talk about who we took and why you should be angry or why you should calm down. Okay, here we go. Big episode today. Hey, Busher Breakaway fans. Welcome to the week of the Busher's Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, what a wonderful, beautiful Monday. I hate working nights. Yep. I'm going to tell you why I hate working nights. Tell me all about it. Okay. So when I used to work mornings, it would be a pain to record the podcast because it would interrupt bedtime, which yes. is fine. The, the, th- the thing is, when you're working mornings, you can do whatever you want to do at night. You just have to sacrifice sleep in order to do it. Working nights, you have no choice because everyone you want to do anything with Monday through Friday is at work like a normal human being. And if they want to do something after work, nobody's going to want to stay out until midnight on a Monday. So you just, you say fuck it to a social life and it's terrible and I hate it and I don't want to do it. Well, I'm happy I'm only doing it for a week. One week for Gregory. More than a week, I'd find a new job. So we're recording a little early this week. Uh, If anything magical happens on Monday night, well, we don't know about it, but we will be recording with Drew later when you're at your job. Look at us always recording at our jobs. That's pretty impressive stuff, if I do say so myself. Uh, But I've had a wonderful Monday that I won't get into. And that will say, let's talk about the Rangers. Uh, Or maybe the lack thereof news, sort of. We're sort of still in the Capo Caco hype uh, many days away, a uh, couple days. Like, we're, let's just get this out of the way. Anyone who asks me on Twitter, like, if you think Capocaco is going to go first overall, it's, it's, no, it's not happening. Did you see Ray Shiro's look in his eyes when he looked at Jack Hughes? But it was never happening. And we've been saying this forever. It Capocaco could have scored 20 goals in the World Championships, and Jack Hughes was still going to go first. You know why Jack Hughes was still going to go first? Because as great as a one tournament that Capocaco had, Jack Hughes is still the better prospect, which is why it's great that. I kind of was wishing the Devils talked themselves into Capocacco because then the Rangers would be getting the near-unanimous number one overall pick at number two. Yeah, I think that's pretty fantastic. scouting has him 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Like, everyone has him. That's just it, uh, at number he's, one. He's really good. It's not a knock on Capocacco either. Nope. There's no problem being number two to Jack Hughes. Nope. Pretty good. Yeah, he's a very good player. Um, very excited to get Capocacco. Still got something in the work with that. We'll see that in the future. Uh, let's talk about some trade possibilities because that's sort of been all the rage this week on, on the Twitter.coms. Uh, Greg, I got to give you some credit. I, it's rare I do this, but, uh, you are the sole person to speak the Truba trade into existence. And let me tell you, uh, you said it about two years ago at this point, and it is slowly coming to fruition. We are seeing the birth of a possible Truba trade. I believe it was Bob McKenzie. Well, am I saying that correctly? Um, yeah, it was Bob on his podcast said that the Rangers would be in if the Jets were serious about trading Truba. And it uh, looks like they're serious about trading Truba. You have maybe some possibilities of what that trade would be. I saw you uh, post on the Twitter.coms, including one of my favorite players. 
Uh, well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I, I don't want to take credit for something I can't take credit for. Okay. Now, was I the first person ever to say Jacob Truba to the New York Rangers makes a whole lot of sense? Yeah, of course. We have documented evidence. It's true. We do have a lot of that. Uh, <laughs> Many hours of you saying. It was, it was friend of the podcast, Hockey Statminer, who is the hypothetical trade guru. Um, he comes up with scenarios that I haven't even thought of. And the scenario he came up with, super fucking interesting, if you ask me. Uh, I think his the mo- the one that really piqued my interest was Pavel Buchnevich sans extension, so just restricted free agent Pavel Buchnevich, Leah Anderson, and two second round picks this year. So that would be the I think his proposal was the Stars second and the Lightning second. So the Rangers would hold well. The Rangers traded their second for Adam Fox. So that's yes, the Stars and the Lightning seconds uh, for Truba and a 2020 second from the Jets. Uh, I'm more curious to hear, I mean, Buchnevich's name has been brought into it, so I, I kind of want to hear how comfortable or uncomfortable that makes you. Uh, I think in a world that we don't live in, which maybe makes this statement unnecessary, but in a world where we don't have Capo Caco coming in to fill the void in my heart and fill the void in forwards, uh, I think I would be more likely to want to keep Buchnevich. That being said... It's a really tough deal still to make for me because I feel like Booch is starting to hit his stride now. And I know Truba is a great player and a great defenseman. But watching what Booch did at the end of the season and how he really came to form shows me the potential of what he could be. And I would hate to trade that away, that potential. Now, Truba is a surefire asset on defense, right? There's We know what we're getting with him. And and that's our area of need of any, of, of everything if you've listened to this podcast at all, we've every week said this defense is terrible. And one way to shore that up is by getting Jacob Truba. So if if it comes down to you have to trade a high potential asset in Buchnevich, and hands up, maybe I'm overrating Pavel Buchnevich. Maybe he's not as good as I think he is. Maybe everyone else thinks he's, or other teams don't value him like I do. There's a good chance because you, you always value your assets more than other teams do. But I just, it's still doesn't sit well with me that that would have to be the trade. I almost would rather trade Kreider, despite some of the analytic stats saying very nice things about Kreider recently. Sure, but then you also have to take, I don't know why the Jets would want to trade Truba a long-term question mark for Kreider, who would then become a long-term question mark. Because Kreider only has one year left on his deal, and he's significantly older than Truba. Would we now, s- let, me give you three scenari- let me give you three scenarios surrounding well, quickly. Booch Nevitt in this trade. Would, would we sign Booch to the bridge deal before the trade? No, I think you let the Jets decide what to do long-term with Booch Nevitt. Okay, that was my only question. But that, we're going to get there. Let me, let me give you three scenarios where I think might make you more comfortable discussing Booch Nevitt specifically in this deal. One, you would I would say you'd be very disappointed if one – if not multiple of Hedl, Kako, and Kravtsov become better than what Pavel Buchnevich is right now, right? That would be that would be something you consider a disappointment. If they become better than him? It, so what we have from Pavel Buchnevich right now. Yes. You're gonna you would would you be disappointed if at least one of those three didn't exceed Pavel Buchnevich? Didn't. Yes. Okay. I was uh, confused as I heard become better. I was like, I think all three of those could be better than Buchnevich. Right. So I'm saying, so we're saying the doomsday scenario is all the Rangers go 0 for 3 on those guys becoming a more productive asset than Pavel Buchnevich. Absolutely. Which I would consider a remote possibility. 
Um, like it, it slim slim possibility. Yeah, that we're talking five on all three, five ten percent that they, all of them don't become if if all of them become don't become better than Pablo Savage's currently. We are screwed. We are screwed. Or at least at least one of them becomes Pavel Buchnevich. Like say Kravtsov becomes Buchnevich. Okay, I think that's that's, that's that's an acceptable outcome. I think that's totally fair outcome for for Kravtsov. All right, scenario two. We mentioned the bridge deal. What if the Rangers can't sign Pavel Buchnevich to a contract longer than two or three years? So we've talked about how. Well, ready for this inception I'm about to throw at you? We've talked sure. about how we were going to talk about this topic for a long time in the summertime. And here we are. Uh, here we are. It's the summertime. It's June. June 3rd. And I think you and I both, and maybe we have some information, maybe we don't, but I was under the impression we should sign Bushnevich for five years, and if we didn't, that was a mistake. But from, mm. from what we've heard, quote-unquote, from maybe some anonymous sources, who knows? Is that the he's only going to take a bridge deal? Is that we're not reporting anything? We're just like being hypothetical here. From what our little birds have told us, uh, if, if we want to keep Game of Thrones alive post Game of Thrones, Rip. Um, it sounds like the desire for a bridge deal is coming from Buchnevich's camp. From what we've been able to hear, because that doesn't mean that you guys have to take a lot of things into account when we say this. Because one, Rips. we are not Bob McKenzie. We are not. Elliot Friedman, we're not here to break news on a pod. That's not us. We just don't know enough. Uh, we can only tell you what we're hearing, and that's what we're hearing. That doesn't mean what we're hearing will become the truth. But And you may never know the truth. No, and nor would I ever expect to know the truth. It's not my business. I just react to news. I don't want to make it. Um, I'd like to make some news. At the same, at the same time, this is – we've long considered – frustration over the Rangers wanting to give Pavel Buchnevich a bridge contract. But I guess we never fully embrace the idea that it makes a whole lot of sense if Buchnevich is that comfortable in his where his game is and where his game's going that he would simply want the bridge deal because obviously if he succeeds in the next two years, he's going to get a, a lot more money than he can get right now a on a long-term deal. A real butt ton. Uh, um, so what, what does it do to your mindset – in terms of not just Pavel Buchnevich, but building the Rangers in the future, if you only if, if Buch wants a bridge, does that change your willingness to trade him? It's I I automatically my heart says yes, right? Because that's a guy that's not gonna be the asset maybe you want. Maybe he ends up demanding more money than you'd be willing to pay him once the time comes, because a lot of these younger players will be coming up and demanding money at that point in time. Like two years from now, we're gonna have to start giving out contracts, right? That's just the way it is. That's the way the lay of the land. Your your young teams get older, and we are a young team that's going to get old. That's just how life works. Breaking news here, by the way. And with Buchnevich, if you told me that he was being forced or forced our hand into signing him to only a bridge deal, I think I'd be more comfortable trading him for Jacob Truba, who we could sign right then and there for a long term extension. If I'm correct. Yes. Um. And it's not – I think it's important to dick, differentiate between – yes. Uh, yeah, everything's different with the dick. It's very important to differentiate between, well, Buchnevich doesn't want to sign a long-term deal, so we have to trade him, versus Buchnevich doesn't want a long-term deal right now. So how do we turn this asset into another need? Because I think it, it's something – I just think it's a, it's a fact – 
the Rangers have a quantity of defensemen, but they still lack quality. We really don't know as fun as it is to pencil Adam Fox into Ranger lineups for the next 10 years. We won't know until we know. Um, D'Angelo took a step. Shea, I still think, is a perfectly capable second-pairing defenseman. Shattenkirk, still a perfectly capable second-pairing defenseman. But outside of D'Angelo, Shattenkirk, Shea, the New York Rangers have a whole lot of questions defensively. And, yes, the rebuild is going on. Yes, if the Rangers just want to keep rolling it over defensively, they'll figure out which one of these young guys can stick long-term. But I don't think – I mean, even Adam Fox, I don't think any – of the Rangers defensive. I mean, even Keandre Miller, I don't think any of the Ranger defensive prospects they currently have are on the level of Jacob Truba or project to be on the level of Jacob Truba. You think, just, you, you think even Adam Fox doesn't get to that level? Probably not. Right. Maybe we don't know actually. From what I, I, I don't, I mean, we'll have Drew way on later and he can correct this for us. Uh, I don't think Adam Fox is the type of two way defenseman. Jacob Truba is um, Drew was out there today showing graphs and numbers about how D'Angelo compares to Truba and D'Angelo offensively dwarfs a lot of what Truba does. And that's not a knock on Truba. He's very good offensively. It, it more highlights just how special D'Angelo is offensively. At the same time, Truba does things that we'll never dream of D'Angelo doing defensively. It's just not the kind of player Tony D'Angelo is. And you, it, they're great to have on the same team because – one exceeds at one place, the other exceeds on another place, but the other, meanwhile, is also pretty good at the thing that your number one young asset also excels at. So you just having a right side of your defense of Truba, D'Angelo, and Fox, you're setting yourself up for the potential for success, for s- s- sustainable success. Um, and if you can get Truba without having to trade D'Angelo, that's a, I think that's a win-win for everybody involved. Um, I just, yeah, let, let's, let's think of line structure for a second here, right? Let's say the Rangers don't trade Buchnevich. So you have to construct, and let's say the Rangers don't trade Buchnevich and sign Panarin, which was something we've long considered a strong possibility. Yep, I think so. so. Your, your, your top two wings, Kreider and Panarin. Your next batch of wings, you have the likes of Buchnevich, Kako, and I guess you make the determination if you want to put Heedle back in the middle. I think you and put Heedle back in the middle. Off. I think that I think Heedle has to go back to center. Personal opinion. In, th- in three years, right? So at the end of Buchnevich's next bridge, say he signs a three-year bridge deal. Okay. Do you think be, it's three be three-year bridge deal, not two? Well, on, on the long end, right? Okay. Say it on the stay on the long end. The most that Buchnevich will sign for is three years. I don't, I don't I think, think that, he will. I think that gets him too old. Pretty, but you, you sign him for three years, right? So you also have to project where we think Kravtsov will be in three years, where we think Kaka will be in three years. I guess where we think Kreider will be in three years, which might not be New York. Um, Panarin, if he's here, is still Panarin in three years. I just, as great or as, as, we, as much untapped potential as we still think there is with Pavel Buchnevich, I will sit here and tell you right now that I will almost be slightly disappointed if Buchnevich is one of the Rangers' two most important wingers in three years, it's it's tough because I, I oh, listen, we're the we're culprits too, and I think a lot of people on 
I don't, I don't want to say on Twitter, but most Ranger fans are culprits too about saying that Butchnevich is sort of the golden child. He was sort of the future, the hope, right? When when times were dark and tough, we were always like, oh, Butchnevich could be the future of this team. We don't know. But I don't, I don't know. If we, I don't know if it was so much of us calling him the golden child as it was. He was the perfect character. He was hundred percent management. He was yes, but he was hundred percent treated like a golden child by many people. Um, and I may be one. So hand up if I was. Uh, I'd, and for me to come out here and say that I'd want to trade him for Jacob Truba feels off. Uh, but sometimes you've got to take your emotions out of sports, which is so hard to do, by the way. Like just taking your emotions away from players and like realizing you're just rooting for the jersey. Um, and I guess that that was like part of what people went through with Zuccarello this offseason or this uh, this trade deadline rather. So with Buchnevich, it it hurts to give up on the potential and the player and what I feel is there. And maybe he, I, I, maybe you're right there. He wouldn't be, a, I, he might not even be a top six guy. The more I'm thinking about it, especially with the, the amount of players and wings we're going to have, we're just we're going to be fill up. So he, would you want to pay Buchnevich to play in your third line? No, right? I, I guess it really just depends on how you've allocated your other money. I think, I don't think it. Long term speaking, long term sustained success. Mm-hmm. I think is it's football's built through your lines, your offensive and defensive lines. Like, of course, you need a quarterback, but if doesn't matter who your quarterback is, if you don't have the ten players up front to match that talent. Uh, with hockey, you can have all the offensive firepower you want if you don't have a stable defensive core. I don't think it matters that much, and I think the only way for the Rangers to truly guarantee themselves long-term success and that we can talk up Lieber Hayek, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, Niels Lundqvist, whoever the, say the Rangers go more at Cider at 20, Philip Broberg. You can throw as many defensive prospects as you want. Straight up fact is I would say that the odds are against the majority of those guys reaching their potential. And in fact, you'd be lucky if one of them reaches their full potential as great as it is to have prospects in your system, especially at a position where for the longest time you've struggled to have develop your own talent. Have literally anything. It's, it's you, you have to still be realistic with your prospects. Not every prospect is going to be Aaron Judge well, or Pete Alonzo. Well, let's do, let's do a, actually a hockey comparison. There were many years ago where we were very excited about Anthony Duclair. And I think Ranger fans would have been like, uh, did not really want to trade Duclair. We're Excited to have, he's on like his fourth team now. And like, he's not exactly been a barn birder. He's been an okay hockey player, but who's better, Anthony Duclair or Jimmy Vc? I think I'd rather have Anthony Duclair. But, but by how much, really? It's, yes, you're right. The, both those guys serve a similar purpose on teams that they're on. I, I happen to like Duclair more. I think the advanced numbers like Duclair more, but your point is well taken. Whereas that, that was a guy that when we first started recording or maybe even before where everyone was really excited about the future and the potential of Anthony Declare, like think about this winger, think about the winger depth we have in the, in the minor leagues. We could trade all, maybe, maybe we could have like a really young team and like Anthony Declare's turned out to be like Jimmy VC plus a little like, and uh, it, it, you, you don't I mean, actually know. He's the example of that by himself. What was that? How excited was Ranger Nation to sign Jimmy VC? Oh yes. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's tough, man. It's, I just the the reason 
you can you can come up with a bunch of reasons why not to trade for Jacob Trouba, right? None of this really matters if Trouba doesn't want to sign an extension in New York. Yeah, because I, think- I wouldn't make that trade. The crazy thing is we've had this discussion for what fifteen minutes, yeah, and we haven't even reacted to the fact that I said Leas Anderson is also in this deal. Yeah, actually, like, no, we're just no, like, no, yeah, hopefully things in no way. Anyway, moving. We're like, yeah, cool, Leas. Okay, so bye, Leas. See you later. Uh- <laughs> But yeah, so the the trade proposals thrown out there were true, but do not make any sense for the New York Rangers unless you sign him to a long-term deal. Because whatever you're going to give up for him right now, if you don't sign him that extension, you're going to get less at next year's trade deadline. It's, it's just simple. You might recoup 75% of what you give up today to get Truba if you move him again. You don't trade for Truba unless you're, you're confident you can sign him to an extension. And yes, you can negotiate for a 72 hour window or what, what have you when you trade for true, but no big deal. Um, but we, we agree on that point full, full heartedly. If you, if he doesn't want to sign here, we're not trading for him. Period. End of story. Like all the, all the prophecy work you did for many years and all the voodoo dolls and all the sacrifice, sacrifice rituals you had are for not the is over. Um, but there, if if the Rangers won trade for Truba and if two Truba wants to sign an long-term extension with the Rangers, this isn't a situation of, well, why don't the Rangers just wait till next year? He'll be a free agent anyway. Well, the Rangers don't want to wait till next year because they you don't want to give the Detroit Red Wings a chance at Jacob Truba. That's the whole point. He's a Michigan kid. Eiserman's back in charge. You don't want to give that front office a free shot at Jacob Truba. So if you can, if Truba, if Truba is if the Rangers are in his top three and it's a situation of the, if the Rangers trade for me, I'd sign with them. You, you do it. Don't give the Red Wings an opportunity to freely negotiate with their own son, basically. Uh, and two, I, I mean, it, it's the basic question. Who would you rather have for the next six years, Jacob Truba or Eric Carlson? Oh, Truba. Uh, do you want to get to our five-star questions now? Because we have one of those about that. Oh, sure. Throw that one in there if we're talking about it right now. Sure. Palms96 asks a five-star question. Says, can we put these Carlson rumors to rest? This has to be smoke, no? If it does come to fruition, what other moves can we expect? Because they're not signing EK65 to lottery team again next year. Um, I think we can put this to rest. And Rick Carpinello, uh, who I had a little chat with on the Twitter.coms, said, please forget about EK65. It's not happening. Uh, and I, I have a feeling he has a little bit of inside information on that, like that we're not signing Eric Carlson at all costs. Now, maybe we are if he, if he has the, the right deal, but I'm going to take Rick at his word here and just say that there's no chance that Eric Carlson is coming to the New York Rangers. It does feel a situation where Carlson's going out of his way to say nice things about New York, but it doesn't feel like it's being reciprocated because um, he so we're not breaking news here. If Eric Carlson's agents can get the New York Rangers involved, it makes Eric Carlson's free agent courting process more lucrative. Because if you convince other teams that the Rangers, with their heaps of cap space and New York media, are interested in Eric Carlson, all of a sudden the San Jose Sharks are like, all right, well, we'll give you a couple extra million dollars. Like It's, it's beneficial for Eric Carlson, for the New York Rangers, to be interested. Even if the New York Rangers aren't that interested absolutely uh so I, yeah I, I think that's it's when you hear a player i mean we're guilty of this too but sometimes when you hear a player or representative say oh he's interested in playing there you got to remember that some of that is to build up their own market for other teams yeah and i 
they're just like it felt like it was a play for money because as much as Henrik Lundqvist and Mika Zibanejad would like to have EK65 on the team I think that the brass and management and what John Davidson has said about building the right way or getting meaningful signings uh, has pushed me away from believing that Carlson would ever be on the team. And Rick Carpinello just kind of driving the nail home there uh, and saying that, well, there's just no chance. I, 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 and I believe him because uh, when I got the chance to meet Adam Graves last year, uh, very briefly, I asked about Carlson and he like immediately was like, no way, man, there's no chance. Uh, and those everything I've ever heard about about Carlson and the Rangers have has been like that's never happening. So when these rumors come up and these articles come out on all these blogs, it makes me feel like this is for clicks. And maybe that's most of the case with Rangers blogs, including well, us, including us. <laughs> so all all you did was say we were talking about Carlson. We didn't say we wanted him or anything. And that guy was quick to jump down your throat without even listening. That guy that guy cracks me up, man. Some people, some people fucking crack me up with how they react to us. Well, which guy? I I, I forgot the guy that asked the five star question. No, the guy. No, the guy, that was a fair question. Yeah, it's a fair um, question. It was the what was it when we had Portsline back on the podcast? Oh yes, oh, yes. it wasn't about Carlton. It was about Panarin. Yep. And he's like, "Oh, it's not happening." And it's like we never said we did. It, we literally just said we talked about it. Yeah. that's all we did. That's it. Uh, uh, yeah. All right, let's, let's finish up. We have two more five-star questions. Let's get these out of the way, and then we can go over to Drew right, for some nonsense. Another five-star question from LaRoque. 03, I think I killed that. Um, big fan of the podcast. Makes it even makes my commute even better to work. Uh, number one, who do you think the Rangers take at 20? I have great news for you, LaRoque 03. We have Drew Way prospect expert coming up next. He says, uh, LaRoque says, heard Cam York would be a good target if he's still on the board since he's a left shot. Uh, we want to let Drew handle that one, sort of? Well, I'll just say this. If Cam York is the best player available, yes, the Rangers should draft him. Don't tell me the Rangers are drafting him because he's a left-handed shot or he's a winger or he's a center. At 20, you just take the best player on the board, whoever it is. I don't care. If it's a goalie, I don't care. Best player available. That's it. Always just take the – it's MLB draft day today. Just always take the best player available because, again – Odds of that, odds of the player at twenty, make having an impactful NHL career, still pretty low. I, I know the Rangers took Philip Hedl there, and I know that's the neighborhood they took Keandre Miller. But guys, straight up, it's really hard to make the NHL. And if you're not a top ten pick, it's even harder. So whoever the fuck the Rangers take at twenty, and I'm sure I'll I'll go on the same rant. With, well, actually, Drew will probably go on the same rant because I he thinks along the same lines we do always, 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 always best player available. Whoever's at the top of your board, regardless of who else you've drafted, just keep picking the best player. That's it. That's all you got to do. Uh, and then his, his second question was, if I wear a Yankees hat to your next live event, why be allowed in? If Greg is the bouncer cheers. Yeah, where does this come from that I hate? I don't know how many times I have to say I like I don't give a shit about Yankee fans. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's like the Islanders. If you wear a Philly hat, yeah, I'll probably shove a bottle of beer up your ass. But <laughs> like a Yankee hat, I I really when I was twelve and it was on the heels of the Subway Series and we're I mean look we're all annoying when we're twelve, but it's even more annoying when all your friends are Yankee fans and they've had like four World Series wins, including one over your favorite team. So yeah, when I was twelve, I had a real hatred. Not even for the Yankees, just fucking Yankee fans. Like, I hated Yankee fans so much that in 2001, I rooted for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll admit it. 
Um, I just, now that I'm 30 and I have perspective on shit, Yankees aren't in my league. I worry about the Yankees four times a year. And by the time I have to worry about the Yankees, the Mets have already fucked things up enough where it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't so matter. I, I do not care about the New York. If the Yankees win the World Series this year, good for you. Like, it's not going to do anything. My life will not change. Now, if the Philadelphia Phillies somehow win the World Series this year, that impacts me greatly. And I will not be rational about it. So, yes, wear your Yankee hat. I will probably not acknowledge the fact that you're wearing a Yankee hat because I don't care. Yep. Uh, I will also give you a high five for showing up at the live event. Uh, last last five-star question from FBI 2.0, who is a frequent question asker. Hey, guys, great show. Two questions. One baseball, one hockey, and one content oh. request. Ba- uh, one content request. Baseball question. Who's the best number nine hitter in baseball today? That's a good question. So we're not talking like a, a hitting pitcher? I guess. I, I would, There are some hitting pitchers that are pretty good. But I guess, I guess American League, right? I like Jason Mraznick. Uh, on on the Houston Astros, big fan of him. He's had a really nice renaissance this year. He's batting like two seventy five, and being a number nine hitter on the Astros is uh is not easy to do, especially when you're so damn good. Yeah, no, it's 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 an odd question because some teams specifically stash good hitters in the ninth spot yeah. to try and turn the line lineup over twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of take this question as like your annual Ray Ordonez question. As in, who's the best fielder that you just live with in a batting order? Um, for the longest time, it was Byron Buxton, but he's actually good this year. Yeah, I know. He used to be Simba, uh, and now Simba can hit too until he broke his ankle. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't. We're going to think on this one. Maybe we'll get back to it next week. Yeah, I just, I, I just feel like your quote unquote best number nine hitters should not be number nine hitters. And that's why I'm not having a good time with the question. Hockey question, is it time for the Rangers to roll out their third jersey? Personal opinion, is the White Liberty jersey? Uh, person, he says the White Liberty jersey, and it was the best. Or she, whatever. Um, I agree, 100%. I think it's ridiculous the Rangers don't have a third jersey, especially when they love money, and that's what that is. Free money. That's all it is. I agree that it's free money. Uh, I, I can't say I stay up thinking about the Rangers releasing a third jersey. I, I just don't care. If, if I'm being honest, I would like one more Jersey. I, I, I don't think it's that much of an ask, especially with an organization like the Rangers that have so much. Sure. But at, at the same time, power. it's not like Lady Liberty jerseys are unavailable to you right now. Like, yeah. are, are you, are you that annoyed that the Rangers don't play in a third Jersey? I just think it would be nice. I just think it's a bonus. You know, it's a little thing for the fans. I'm not annoyed about it sure, but at I, all. I just, I, fans could buy the Lady Liberty today. Like that, that I guess that's, that's the thing that's always kind of sort of confused me about this, the angst in regards to the third jersey. Like, is your viewing of the game impacted because the Rangers aren't wearing Lady Liberty, or do you physically want to own a Lady Liberty jersey? Because you can. I do. So I know you can own a Lady Liberty jersey. It's not like this holy grail type thing. So, like, if, you're, if, you, if, it's, if it's an annoyance that the New York Rangers don't physically play hockey in another jersey, I think you're getting annoyed by the wrong things here. Not just, not just, not just FBI 2.0. I don't want to get arrested. I'm just like that's a general thought and feeling on the entire third jersey. I don't want to even call it a debate. Just nuisance. I don't know. I don't. I don't stay up at night thinking about what the Rangers actually physically play in. 
Like there was a time where people were angry where they would, what, they wear white on the roads and people get pissed? Yeah, I don't know. Is that a thing? I don't know. Content request, FBI 2.0 says, please invite Drew on. Hey, nice. And just just bombard him with inappropriate and nonsense questions. Then thank him and buy him a hot dog. All right, might do that. All right, anyway, transition. Drew Way, everyone, coming on the podcast right now. Here we go, transition. Hey, we're back with our special guest, resident prospect expert, Drew Way of the Bullshit Breakaway. Drew, thanks so much for joining us on this two weeks before draft, three weeks before draft. Where are we? Three weeks. Yeah, yeah, sounds better. It's, uh, what, the 21st, I think the draft is, so three weeks. I should know that. I'm getting, I'm a best man at a wedding. I should not forget, because I have it twice already. All right. Uh, there's a lot to go over, especially with the draft picks. I guess... Uh, we've done some analysis of Capocaco beforehand, but I kind of want to get your your breakdown of him uh, and what kind of player you would compare him to. Just so, because we've said Capocaco a million times, we've screamed it, we've been excited, we've been, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's top two overall pick in a two-person draft. What should we really expect out of Capocaco as someone who might have scouted him just a little bit from the internet? So, so do we count just screaming Capo Caco at random strangers as analysis? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We do. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, with, with the caveat of I really hate doing draft comparables because inevitably you always get uh, people who have unrealistic expectations. Honestly, like a young Rick Nash comes to mind when I think of Capo Caco's game. Great. Um, people love comparing him to Yager because he can do that thing where he like protects the puck, but Nash did that really well as a kid, too, and very little of the rest of his game aligns with Yager at all. Anyone that compares him to Line A is just boring and lazy. He, his game is nothing like Line A. Um, he's a lot more like Barkov than Line A in terms of having a you know a, a two-way game, good in transition, good in all areas of the ice. Um, but, yeah, I would say a young Rick Nash combined with, like... Oh, yeah. Hi, Declan. Sorry. <laughs> I would say a young Rick Nash and, and like an Alexander Barkov fusion comes to mind when I think of Kaku's game. You hear that? You hear that, Ryan? Rick Nash? A lot of Rick Nash. Re- really That's exciting stuff. Game. Can't wait to go to the playoffs and lose in Game 7 because we can't score. <laughs> uh, Drew, the thing I like to think about most when it comes to um, Kaku, and also, hello, everyone. I'm no longer on my computer. Things that What can you do? Uh, where I always wonder, where would Kaku have gone in last year's draft and the Nico Heischer draft? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, last year, he probably would have gone two or three. I think he's a comparable prospect to, to Smetsikov. Um, I probably would have put him like slightly above Smetsikov, but he would have been, you know, one last year still would have been Rasmus Dahlin. I think Dahlin really is like that super elite tier prospect. And then at pick two, it's, you know, your choice of Svestikov or Kako and really would have depended on the team picking. Um, in the Heesher draft, I think he would have gone one. Hmm. All right, that makes me feel pretty good. Uh, I definitely think he's a – I mean, I, I love Nico Heesher, but I definitely think he's a better prospect than Heesher or Nolan Patrick. And they were the, you know, the two fighting for the one spot. Um, I Obviously, and we all know if we were to redraft, Elias Peterson would be the number one in that pick now, but – you know, at the time, you're talking to Nico or Kako, and I would pick Kako. Does that mean Jack Hughes would have gone first overall in most every one of these drafts we're just discussing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Austin Matthews draft, you would have had a good debate probably between Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes. I think Austin probably would have gone one because he's bigger. 
but in terms of like the, their actual production and stuff like that, they're very comparable. Jack Hughes actually broke a bunch of Austin Matthews records for the you know U.S. National Team Development Program. Um, well, him and Cole Caulfield. Um, but yeah, it's you know Jack Hughes and Kako both are on that like Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel caliber of prospects. You know they're not quite the Rasmus Dahlin level, and then obviously they're not the Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby level, but they're you know I'm in the draft rankings that we're putting out in a day or two. And we're, we're breaking, I'm like defining my tiers, and he's on the elite tier, which is, you know, not the generational tier, but obviously a, a franchise altering player. I have here uh, one of your early draft rankings that you did, uh, I think April 9th. And you have Cole Caulfield, as you just talked about, at number 12, or he's in the third tier. Would he be a higher up pick if he wasn't 5'7? Which isn't short, by the way, in case you're wondering. Yes, it is short. It's not short. And um, <laughs> he'd probably be a little bit higher. I would say that, you know, size, when people talk about size of hockey prospects, it doesn't matter as nearly as much as it once did, but it still does matter. Like, if you take a five foot seven Cole Caulfield and you take the exact same player with the exact same skills and exact same skating ability and make him six foot two, the six foot two Cole Caulfield is going to be a better player. Um, but that said, it's, you know, maybe a spot or two higher for me if he was, you know, Six five eleven six foot, but his height didn't factor too much into the equation for me there. Honestly, the reason I don't have him higher is because I think he's a little bit more one-dimensional than a lot of the other players in that range. Got it. Uh, one of our listeners asked earlier, who would we be targeting at the number 20 spot? Your rankings will be coming out this week so they can take a look at that, but is there any sort of Drew Way fan favorite uh, of this year, sort of a Ty Smith deal? Well, everyone knows already that my answer to that is Pavel Dorofiev. I gave him like my Ty Smith award, but there are a number of guys that could be available at 20 that I'd be very happy with. Um, one guy that, uh, you know, a lot of people probably have in the mid 20s, but that I have, that I will have right at 18 when my rankings come out is a Swedish winger named Nil Toglender. He's, you know, five foot nine, two way winger, but he's, you know, if you were going to rank all the players in the draft just based on their, like their hands and their puck skills, he might be number one or number two. Um, and he just, he embodies a lot of the traits of like a Rangers prospect. He was a two-way guy, a good character guy. Um, he's already playing in, you know, the pro league in Sweden. He, uh, he just, everything about him, like he's a very hard worker, high motor, and like his hands are just silky smooth. And he's probably the best I've seen in this class at like receiving passes. And like, and uh, something of uh, like Greg, you know, like when you're playing baseball, if like someone's throwing the ball hard, like you can't just like, throw your mitt at the ball to catch it, you'll break your hand or the ball pop out of your glove. Similar with like hockey and Hoglander is better than anyone at being able to kind of like cradle passes and receive them well, no matter like how hard the pass is. That guy has Ranger written literally all over him. Like his name, yeah, and, and he's also got the Sweden, playing with men. Playing with men is huge for the Rangers. Like they, they love that so much. So Yeah, it, no, Absolutely. So that might be a guy uh, we end up targeting there. Is there uh, is there anybody that like from the upper tiers that you're just like praying or hoping would fall? Well, yeah. So like Pablo Durofiev is one where like I I have him 13 right now in my rankings that'll be coming out either tomorrow or Wednesday. You know, a lot of people have him around 20 or so, but he's a guy that I'd love at 20. Um, Alex Newhook is a guy that. I have at nine, but because he played in the BCHL, it's possible he could fall a bit, and I'd be thrilled if he fell all the way to 20. He's an extremely dynamic and fast 
uh, winger that plays, um, sorry, uh, center that plays in the BCHL for Victoria. And he put up, you know, the BCHL is a lesser league, so the production is really hard to translate. But he put up over 100 points in 60 games. It was ridiculous. Now, that is ridiculous. But would you be upset in the theoretical world where we traded the number 20 pick? Like, is it uh, would all of your draft analysis been for naught? Nah, it always depends on what you trade it for. I mean, if we trade the number 20th pick because we're getting back a really good young defenseman or something like that, then I'll be thrilled. Like Jacob, like Jacob Truba? the trade. Uh, no, I don't know how I feel about that. Truba, honestly, I'm sorry, Greg, like Truba's gotten like pretty overrated recently. Whoa! Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> All right. All right. The Blasio's fucking security details about to come knocking on my window, so I'm about to yell at you for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> well, did you see what I posted on Twitter today? He did. I did. And that's, so we all know that Tony D'Angelo is in the lead offensive defense, and that doesn't bother me. And then it, that shows that Truba is the next tier down, and also much better and much more capable defensively. I don't think but that's a knock on like Truba. Average. He's still like average. I don't know. You know what it is? I mean, I'd find, if we, I'd be okay with trading the 20 pick in a deal for Truba, but I'm not cool with like that. 20 plus Leah Anderson plus another really good piece for Truba. I'm out then, especially when you're considering the deal that we're probably going to have to give Truba. Um, you know, he's a good player. I just, you know, defensively he's average, whereas people seem to pump him up like he's this great offensive and defensive defenseman, which isn't true. And being paired with Morrissey a lot, I think it's covered up a lot of his defensive work. Wow, this is a real like moment for me. Average, you say? I've been told he's the great savior. No, no, no he, he's a very good defenseman. I'm saying defensively, he's he's average. I mean, like, he's, I'd be thrilled if I'm in a Rangers jersey. Don't get me wrong. I just like some of these trade packages I've been seeing thrown around for him, and I'm like, you guys know he's got one more year to UFA, right? Like, he's probably going to get a really big deal on top of what you're giving up for this. We talked about it today. So you, well, go on, Greg. Yeah. So the the deal we talked about earlier today before you came on was. Uh, the hockey stat minor package of Buchnevich, two seconds, the Lightning and the Dallas pick, and uh, Anderson for Truba. So you are a hard no on that. Pick. I mean, right. I would, I understand. I, I'm not a hard no. I, I understand it, but I wouldn't be thrilled. I think you're selling low on Leas Anderson there. Um, but conversely, I think Buchnevich is only signing a, a bridge for reasons that you know I've spoken to you about you know, privately, and so. I understand that trade, but I wouldn't be thrilled with it. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Greg and I hmm at the same time. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I kind of felt the same way, but I was more of it because of the Buchnevich potential and giving a way up, way up maybe a, a more valuable asset. But uh, again, we are so thin yet stacked defensively. We don't have any quality where we have a bunch of quantity. And uh, I hope that I hope to change that this year. I meant to ask you directly, actually. Um, Adam Fox, what is his sort of ceiling since we haven't really talked to you since then? Yeah, his ceiling is, uh, his ceiling, so not as likely outcome, his ceiling is a first line defenseman who also runs your power. Um, I think his most likely outcome is kind of like, uh, what Kat, Kevin Shattenkirk was for St. Louis in his prime. You know, uh, Low-end first pair, high-end second pair guy who then also runs your power play, which is a very valuable asset to have. Okay. Well, were, were you were you upset with what the Rangers gave up for Fox? Did that bother you? Did you, yeah, did no, you, you know, see that as decent allocation? 
Yeah, now this is something I wanted to rant about too. Like, you know, I understand like nitpick. If you want to, if you, if it makes you feel better, it's like nitpick trade returns and asset, you know, allocation and stuff like that. Okay, but like, end of the day, like, if you're banking your strategy on a 20 year old not changing his mind in the year, you're a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> so I, I just I don't understand this mentality of oh he was definitely coming here next year. Bullshit. As a Knicks fan, I've been hearing that shit for 20 something years, and it never plays out that way. You can't bank your strategy on a 20-year-old not changing their mind. That's just stupid. Yeah, I changed yeah, my well, mind. I mean, I'm almost 30, and I changed my mind constantly. Yeah, we even – I mean, uh, we even talked about this earlier, again, without you. When Part of the reason I'm for trading more for Truba is because if you allow Truba to get the free agency, you, you can't let Detroit talk to Truba. You just have to cut that off. If you want Truba to sign yeah. your deal, it can't be your deal against Detroit's deal. Because I think Detroit's got the edge. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Like I said, I I, I like Trouble a lot. I'm cool with trading for him. I'm just a little bit skeptical on the level of the deals that I've seen thrown around in the last day or so. I got you. So, but back to Fox. You're completely fine the Rangers trading essentially their fourth pick in this draft to make sure they get Adam Fox. Yeah, absolutely. They're not getting your... Most likely not getting a player of Adam Fox's caliber at that pick. Um, obviously, yeah, sure, I would have been thrilled if we traded a third for him instead. But you know what? If Carolina drew a line in the sand and said, no, it's this or nothing. And by the sounds of it, this has been a negotiation that's been going on for a few weeks. It's not like this is the first tra- trade call they had. And Jeff Gordon was like, okay, here you go. Um, so, you know what? If that's the line in the sand that Carolina drew, then I'm fine with it. You know, a couple of years from now, when Adam Fox is running the Rangers' power play, no one's going to be looking back complaining about this deal. And if you are, that probably says something about the kind of person you are. We have a lot of special people that listen to this show. You know, thanks for listening, by the way, everyone. Um, <laughs> there is. Uh, I'm just saying, go live in the moment. Look forward to the future. Stop bitching about everything from the past. Well, I, I still bitch about Rick Nash, so I can't really complain. Uh, I can't help myself though. It's 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 drawn to me. I need to complain about him. I just I I hate myself. Um, is there is is there a player in the second round we should be looking out for with one of our our picks in the second round, or is that just anybody? Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of them. You got something. So first of all, I'll say I'm hoping the Rangers go heavy with like forwards in this draft. Like I think the the value really is at forward in this draft class. There are a couple defensemen that have you know caught in a lot of people's eye. You know, I know Greg likes Maurice Sider, and he'd be a perfectly I, fine pick at the Big, um, big Maurice Sider guy. Just, just throwing yeah, that out. Yeah. <laughs> I got a kick out of when someone asked you why. And you're like, yo, you don't ask me why. I'm just telling you I'm a big Maurice Sider. <laughs> I don't, because I don't have, I have literally zero to tell you what it is about in my life. I, I would be hard-pressed to even tell you if I've seen him skate. Just for whatever reason, I'm hitching my bandwagon to Maurice Sider. It's that simple. Yeah, he's a good player. He'd be a good pick at 20. Uh, finished defenseman Billy Hainola is my number one rated European defenseman. He'd be great at 20. Um, in terms of the second round, you know, the second round's tough because there's always going to be – Declan's got a lot of opinions on the second round. I get um, it. Yeah, there's always, there's always going to be guys that fall there that you weren't expecting. There's always going to be quote-unquote reaches. Like a perfect example of the way the second round is is in my draft tiers, my tier seven – Thirty players deep, and it goes from like towards the end of the second round, almost through the entirety of the third round. Wow! So that's just like a little encapsulation of like what the quality of draft process and how close a lot of these guys are. 
But um, a couple names to keep in mind. If you want a good defenseman, there's a Swedish defenseman named Tobias Bjornsvot, who's um, a really good player. He's actually rose up a lot of ranks recently. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first. But if he's there in the second, he'd be a great get. Um, there is a, a very much a Rangers prospect. There's this kid, John Beecher, who's a 6'3", 210 mauler that pays, plays for the U.S. You know, National Team Development Program. And um, you know, at first I thought he was kind of just like a big dude, but I've watched him a lot more closely recently. And he's actually, there's a lot of skill there. And the Rangers got him with the, you know, the 58 pick. You know, that'd actually be a really good pick because he's, Pretty much guaranteed that at the very least be a, a big bruising third line winger who also has a scoring touch that can anchor your penalty kill. Um, a couple other names. There's this kid Dominic Fensor, who's a tiny five foot seven hundred fifty five pound defenseman that plays for the U.S. program, and he is a lightning in a bottle player. Just imagine Duke, but a defenseman. It's kind of like the best way to explain that kid's game. Um, uh, one of the guys that. You know that video that the Rangers put out um, where they were, like, you know, uh, showing them interviewing different prospects? One was this defenseman named Jordan Spence, who's a defenseman from Moncton, a, a team in the QMJHL. And he's a really gifted offensive defenseman that would be a good get, you know, at, like, 48 or 58 in that range. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys I like. Do you think that this is the typical amount of depth in a draft? It sounds like you have a lot of players that are seem to be good value, or is that is this not typical for drafts? No, I mean this is a pretty average draft in my opinion. Um, I like it's very similar to last year in terms of the depth. Um, I, I, last year was probably slightly deeper, I'd say, um, but I, I'd say this draft is about on you know it's about an average draft in terms of the quality of player and depth of players. Okay, next year's the loaded one, right? At the top, yeah. I mean, next year, there were six kids that all, depending on development, could have been in the argument for, you know, the one and two spots this year. Um, it, the, I, I always forget what his name is, but it starts Al- with an Al- L. Alexis. It, Alexis Lafreniere. Yeah, he's he's what? The greatest thing since fucking sliced bread? Uh, yeah, I mean, so... He led the so like when you go on like prospectsstats.com, you can like put in your filters. So you put in like you under eighteen year old filter to see just like the draft eligible guys. And he led all the U eighteen guys in most of the significant stats in the queue this year. And he was still a year away from his draft. And there are some very talented players in you know, that are going to go in the first round this year that he just blew away production wise. There's zero chance the Rangers getting the number one pick next year, though. That we can just about cross that because even in, even if the Rangers don't sign Panarin, this team will be better than they were last year, and we finished what seventh, eighth, seventh. Well, half a fifth. Maybe, maybe Zucker signs Dallas, and then Ben Bishop gets hurt, and Tyler Sagan gets hurt. Dallas sucks, and then we win, get the first pick with their lottery pick. <laughs> You're asking for a whole lot. Well, I guess I guess saying Ben Bishop getting hurt that's not exactly asking for the move. No, no, it's really not. It's and, not th- and Dallas wasn't that good this year. <laughs> they kind of turned it on at the end, but they were very, you know, they, when they made the Zoop trade, they were a borderline playoff. Well, listen, they made the Western Conference Finals, God bless them, or they almost did, rather. Yeah, yeah, that's what, the West is crazy this year. I mean, there was very little differentiating, really bad lottery teams, and then the teams that just snuck into the, to the, uh, to the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, obviously it's not likely if we get that number one pick, but weirder shit's happened. 
I just I feel bad for the Blues because they're going to lose to Boston. Boston's going to win three titles this year, and I'm going to hate myself. Technically, you can make an argument that Boston won four titles because uh, the Henrys, who own the Red Sox, also own Liverpool. Oh my God, I hate this. It's the worst. There's nothing worse than yeah. Boston continuing to win. It's it's terrible. Yeah, I. Uh... I, I, I just at this point I don't care anymore as long as the Red the Red Sox suck so that's what I'm hanging my hat on right now. Uh, they they're, they're coming back. The, the Red Sox aren't even that bad anymore. They're what a 500 team. Yeah, I know. I think they're above 500 actually, which makes me sick. So good they're times. Playoffs again, and they're going to be something stupid. Whatever. Yeah, they're right now they're 30 and 29. Great, off awesome. Kyrie uh, ruined the Celtics. That. Thank God. Um, Greg, is there anything else we <laughs> want to talk to you about Drew with the uh, prospect-wise of things? I guess the last thing I got for Drew is while we're talking, I mean, to harken back to our asset allocation discussion, when I asked the general population if number 68 overall was too much to give up to get early negotiating rights with Artemi Panarin, where did you fall on that one? I was always curious. Yeah, I'm fine with doing that. I, I, well, I think my response when you posted that was Neil Pion for early negotiating rights. Who says no? Nobody. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be perfectly fine with that. Artemi, again, along the same lines, if you think there's a realistic chance that you just getting in the room early with Panarin means you'll be able to sign him, if you think it gives you any appreciable advantage that you don't have right now, then yeah, I'm all for trading a mid-round pick for his early negotiating rights. Are you still on the uh, he might come to the Raiders t- team, or are you more of a uh, he's going to go to Florida kind of deal? I don't. I Honestly, I have no idea. This whole time, I've had no idea. Um, I'm largely Declan. relying on what... I know. Declan, just decided, I just, Declan was just throwing around this piece of metal on the floor, and I just grabbed it from him, and he's not happy now. Anytime you take my medal away. Don't worry about that. Yeah, it's all good. No, uh, honestly, I'm not an insider. I don't know. I have no idea what he's thinking. I only know what you know, guys that you have on the podcast and other insiders are saying. Um, I, I've never had any real thoughts of my own on where he's going. All right, well, I guess we're going to find out. Um, Greg, before we let Drew go, uh, any parting shots you want to take at him? A parting shot at Drew? Yeah. Uh, I was told to ask you nonsense questions, Drew, but I don't really have any lined up, so I gotta wait for when you come back after the draft and when we pick, and I'll get some nonsense together for you. You have any? Have any overrated? Is something more overrated than hot take? Oh, right now, I don't know. I've had a tough day. Uh, Gregory, I, I mine, mine's probably the, for fucking Bill De Blasio is a little overrated. <laughs> no politics. No politics. Uh, okay. Mine's uh, probably the the Ringer website is my new one. Ringer podcast. Oh boy! No, that, yeah, this is a bad take. Okay, um. <laughs> that's not a bad take. That site sucks. When was the last time anyone's gone on that site to learn something? I, I for Game of Thrones, I did go there to learn. Okay. You know, I, I'll give you that. Their Game of Thrones, con- Game of Thrones content aside, Kevin O'Connor is the wannabe Zach Lowe, who I think literally still lives in his mom's basement. Um, oh boy! I, I don't understand wow. the appeal of that at all. And Bill Simmons, as much I still listen to his podcast. My dad is that a habit? But like, oh my god, is his basketball analysis atrocious? Yeah, well, I think it's always been atrocious, but now we're so spoiled. Like he's always sort no, of. No, it's definitely gotten worse ever since he. I mean, I get it; he's a lot busier now now that he owns the Ringer. But it's like his sports takes now are just sitting 
down with a drunk Joe House and spitting old white guy takes about the way the game used to be and how it should still be that way. I have noticed, like, he does the trick. So, like, sometimes we won't have a guest, right? And we'll, like, message, like, a ton of people and be like, hey, can you please come on? Help us, please. Like this, and on Friday, he kind of had Mallory Rubin on, and she had no idea. I love Mallory Rubin, in case you're wondering. But she had no idea what she was talking about. She was like, I don't know why I'm here. And he was like, Game of Thrones, of course. And she was like, uh, okay. Like, he didn't even tell her. And, like, he's, he's been scrambling. Yeah. It seems like he's been scrambling a little bit for guests as recently. I, 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 Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion are legitimately good, but, like, the, that like, sports coverage is awesome. I guess so. Like, what, what, only, what it comes down to actually that, breaking it down. I'll, I'll say this. The only thing that separates, in terms of their sports analysis, the only thing that separates the ringer and barstool is racism. Whoa, it's my God. general, like, bigotry. It's, oh, but it's the same bullshit, like, sitting around the type of analysis you can get from your friend, except one or two of the guys pretends like they know what they're talking about with stats, like Kevin O'Connor. I get- uh, this, isn't, this isn't a defense of the ringer, but where I sit... Um, it's definitely, I mean, we all agree it's an inferior product to Grantland because Grantland was like this weird once-in-a-lifetime thing that had all these amazing people writing for it that just seems illogical in hindsight. But I will never forgive the ringer for just how shitty their baseball coverage is. If I have to see the name Michael Bauman one more time, I will just drive to California myself and take care of business. Uh, can't fucking stand that guy. I don't care enough about basketball get worked up or give a shit about any and all of their basketball analysis. Um, and I I don't care enough about the NFL to want to read anything, but I will say that I do enjoy uh, Robert Mays and the Ringer NFL show. I feel like their football coverage is perfectly fine. But See, the Mickey, I always like Bill Barnwell. Barnwell's I good. Love Barnwell. Yeah, he's really I good. Barnwell, I think Robert Mason, I think Robert Mason and Kevin Clark are perfectly respectable and fine as well. I just, yeah, I can't forgive I mean, the Ringer for their baseball coverage. It's terrible. Uh, I don't care about their basketball coverage. Um, I will say, their podcasts are the shit, though. Like, I get what you're saying about Bill Simmons. Again, as someone who doesn't care about basketball, I don't get worked up one way or the other about what he has to say. But the Press Box might be my favorite podcast. Just point blank. What is that? Uh, it's, uh, Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, and they just, they talk about shit in media, not just sports media, but media in general. It's Oh, fantastic. oh, yeah. So, you know, I'll pull that right. Like, their non-sports stuff is pretty good. I just, I think with them, for me, the ringer is a combination of, it's just so much worse than Grantland, and I'm still bitter about that. And it's just like the pot, like, the ones that's like, okay, I used to listen to this and that, so now the comparables on the ringer is A, B, and C, like, all of them just suck compared to what they used to. I think that's. I think it's. Yeah. I think that's fair, and I think that's one of the reasons why Bill went out and hired Rosillo because Rosillo is like a rising star right oh, now in sports media. So much work. Rosillo sucks too. God, no, we are. We Drew. We are in the biggest disagreement right now. I think he well, is you're, incredible. You're got terrible take. Rosillo was great with Scott Van Pelt. He played off well with Scott Van Pelt. Now he just sits there with this stupid shtick, like he acts like he's too cool to care about things. But then goes and does a whole bunch of research to prove that he, in fact, it's the weird, they are the worst duo. I like Rosillo on his own, but him and Bill Simmons make terrible basketball. Uh, see, for me, Rosillo. That, 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 duo, John, that duo is the very reason why I was like, oh, I got to bring up the, the ringer is, mo- is the most overrated thing since Bryce Harper. It, wow. It's literally that duo that prompted me to want to bring this up. 
we are in a, will... such hard disagreement right now because the Rosillo Simmons podcast are my favorite, mostly because Rosillo makes Bill look shitty and stupid, and because yes. Bill doesn't do the research he used to. Rosillo comes on, is like he always has like the common man take, but he says it in such a way that makes it very obvious, and Bill's like tries to play counterpoint and just totally can't well, ever. No, the only difference between Rosillo and the rest is the rest of the Ringer crew doesn't have the balls to call out Bill when he's being an idiot, whereas Rosillo does. But Rusillo's takes aren't much better, and he's just as much a cranky old white dude about his, you know, analysis on the Warriors and stuff going on in the game as Bill is. Yeah, I, I, I will add in again. I, I feel like just the perfect middle of the road guy for this because once again, just don't give a fuck about what anyone says about basketball so much that it's going to work me up. The thing I like about Rusillo is Simmons will say something stupid, and Rusillo will be like, "That's pretty stupid." And he'll, just, <laughs> he'll straight up say it, and it's it's. It's kind of like when when Ryan and I say something stupid, the other person goes, you sure? You positive about that one? Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate someone's willing to call Bill out on his, on his shit. I, yeah, I, I just wish like someone who was more knowledgeable could be that process. Like, why does it have to be, you know, Bill Simmons 2.0 who just goes to the gym a bunch? I don't know. I think I think Rosillo is a totally different. I think he's just been a rising star in the podcast community, and I'm a big uh, sort of fanboy for him. I mean, you can always listen to the low post where Zach Lowe literally kills it, like every single podcast. Yeah, I, I do. I do listen to low post, and he's but he's even. He, what I enjoy about Zach is he's even getting cranky here recently. He's real but cranky. I do, I do, yeah, but no, I. I mean, I, I mean, I'll say this. I, I'm obviously I'm overstating everything here just for the sake of you know being right. hot takey, but. Mm-hmm. I, I am remarkably disappointed with the ringer. Like I remember when I heard Bill was moving on to do this thing. I signed up for the newsletter immediately. I, did too, I was all yeah. pumped. It's been it's been like way more disappointing. It's been significantly more disappointing than season eight of Game, Game of Thrones. Whoa. Okay. You know what? I think with the sports coverage, you're on to something because I never go to the ringer to read sports coverage. It's always like NBA, WWE drama, and Game of Thrones. That's it. Yeah, I also. I, just, I don't think I've ever. Yeah, because I've uh, ever once typed. I don't think I've ever once typed com into my internet. The only time I go to the Ringer, it's a specific article that someone tweeted out that piqued my interest. That's the only time I go to the Ringer. And Drew, I was just saying that most people that follow the NBA now it mostly follow it before its WWE storylines, including me. Okay, fair enough. And with that, I think we just did just as much time on the ringer as we did on Perfect. the draft prospect stuff. And you know what? I'll, I'll leave just to, to tie in, but I'll leave you with one last name for the draft. Okay. Keep an eye on. And Art, his name's Nicholas, Barrett. Nicholas Ro- No, no. no. Uh, Nicholas Robertson. He's, uh, he's a you know small uh, winger from that's in the OHL. He played for Peterborough, which kind of sucks this year. And he is um, – a lot of people have him in the late first or early second. I have him around like 18, 19, 20, and he's just – He's one of those guys where his numbers are decent, but you know weren't as good as they could have been because the team he was playing on was very meh. But he's one of those guys like when you watch him play, he's just like phenomenal. He's got one of the best combinations of a shot and passing ability of anyone in the uh, draft class. And like you'll see, I have a chart of, of his like tracking data that I'm putting in my draft articles ranking, and he's like in like the 95th percentile above in most shooting and passing metrics. That he's a guy I love at number 20. Awesome, Drew. Why don't you plug your Twitter and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, Twitter is at Drews underscore way, D-R-E-W-S underscore W-A-Y. And like I said, my draft, our draft rankings with me, George, and Rich will be out either tomorrow or Wednesday, depending on how or, uh, 
how busy I get tomorrow. Awesome possum. You can follow me on Twitter at Orion Mead, and you can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. Greg, any party shots for the entire podcast? Yeah, I just want to know if Drew's going to commit adultery on us again. Whoa, shots fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, 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 it depends. It, we'll see. But uh, it was fun going on with that. Well, Drew, Drew's a free agent. He could go on. Listen, I went on banter last week. Oh, I did listen uh-huh. to that, and then you that shit the bed like 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, the Optimum Online just totally went. They actually did fix it 24 hours later, which is why we're able to do this now. So thanks, oh, Optimum. Good. I appreciate I, it. I did, li- I, did, I did listen to that pod. It was interesting with you and Joe and Mike. It is, uh, it's, it's quite the squad, as I will say. Yeah. Um, I'll, 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 they gave you quite a flattering intro, too. They did. I'm gonna, I have a project I'll be revealing quite soon, and I will be making my rounds around Ranger Twitter and other podcasts, so I'll be making an appearance back on there. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye.